Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining us on WDK. Okay, Sunrise traffic-wise, we're fine around here. Temperature, we're steady at 20 degrees, almost a normal overnight low for this time of year. A little bit cooler than average, maybe, uh, but uh, we're doing okay. On the news line with us now, weekend must be nigh if movie Mike McGranahan is checking in. Professional movie critic, women in cinema advocate, author, and prolific uh, tweeter. Uh, he's got a review for us, a coming to America review. Thank you, Movie Mike, for checking in. What did you think? Coming to America is the long-awaited sequel to Coming to America. The difference is that it has the number two in the title rather than the word two. And unfortunately, the movie never really gets any more clever than that. Eddie Murphy returns as Akeem, who is now the king of Zamunda. After learning that he has a male heir back in Queens, he and faithful sidekick Semi, played by Arsenio Hall, return to the U.S. to bring the guy back so that he can become the new prince. Coming to America makes a number of critical mistakes, and the first is being mostly set in Zamunda, not America. So much of the humor of the original came from watching Akeem as a fish out of water. When he's in his home country, he's a lot less funny. The movie also keeps Murphy and Hall apart for a lot of the time. Their chemistry together is sorely missed. The second half, meanwhile, focuses a lot on Akeem's son, played by Jermaine Fowler, showing how he struggles with whether or not he wants to be a prince. That's fine, but it's not as humorous as anything the first movie did. Coming to America looks great. Co-stars Leslie Jones, Tracy Morgan, and Wesley Snipes earn some laughs, and it's fun to see the old guys in the barbershop again. The movie is mildly entertaining, but also mildly disappointing. On a scale of one to four, I give it two and a half bottles of Soul Glow. Oh, I thought we were headed maybe to a, for a surprise three bottles of... Soul Glow. Soul Glow, okay. I, I never saw the first if one. You, Go ahead. Oh, if you if you saw the first one, you know what that is. So. <laughs> Sounds like something you could buy at the barbershop. Okay, right. super. All right, so... Uh, uh, disappointed in this, um, I, you know. It was, the first one was certainly very popular. I was the only person that never saw it, and uh, we really we sort of have high expectations for all of these actors. Yeah, I mean, I should add that this movie is uh, not going to theaters. It was made for theaters, but because of COVID, Paramount sold it to Amazon Prime. So if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it for free. And in that case, it's worth a look for the parts that work. I just think that the first one is so much stronger. And given that it took 30 years to get a sequel, I'm surprised that the script to this one is not sharper and funnier. All right. And what would you have done? Is it just having a better script or a funnier script or better acting? What would have brought this around? I think a better script. I think that they needed to really set it in America to have these characters come back to our country. And I think it needed more scenes with Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall together. They've been longtime friends in real life. They have a great comic chemistry together, and this movie keeps them apart or puts them in groups where they're not directly interacting with one another. And I think that was really the strongest asset of the original, their chemistry. So uh, keeping them apart, as this film does, by and large, is just a critical mistake. Well, this will be my last follow-up question, but I just think, is are, are we missing something with Eddie Murphy? Is you know, Are we just waiting for the right vehicle? I mean, he's come, he's been in some you know good films, but when we see him on these things, we're thinking, well, maybe you know this might not be the ideal use of his talents. Yeah, I mean, he had the right vehicle last year, a movie called My Name is Dol or Dolomite is My Name, rather, 
uh, where he played comedian Rudy Ray Moore and gave one of the best performances of his career in one of the best movies of his career. That was a Netflix film. It didn't quite get the public traction that Coming to America will, being a sequel to a major hit. But I, even though I didn't like this movie all that much, I'm glad to see Eddie Murphy returning to comedies like this and Dolomite. For a few years there, he was making dramas or just dumb kiddie comedies. It's nice to see him making comedies for grown-ups again like he originally did at the beginning of his career. Well, and uh, uh, this is really a worthless observation. Does he work much? You don't see him often. It's almost like every two years or so. He took a break for quite a while there before doing the Dolomite movie last year. Yeah, sometimes he goes into hiding for a few years, and then he makes kind of a little bit of a comeback. Uh, Hopefully this is the start of him working more consistently and working in comedy specifically aimed at adults and not ones just aimed at kids. All right. Well, yeah. Hopefully, we'll, and somebody will put uh, some uh, another one of these great movies in front of him, so he'll uh, nibble at that. You have some mini reviews, Raya and the Last Dragon. I saw the trailer on that. I couldn't follow it, so that's never a good sign for me. This is the new Disney animated movie. It's about a young female warrior who is voiced by Kelly Marie Tran uh, from the Star Wars movies. And in order to save her land and reunite the people, she has to track down an elusive dragon that has been presumed dead for a long time. That's a vast oversimplification of the plot. It gets a little more complicated than that. Uh, But the dragon is voiced by Aquafina, who we saw a few years ago in The Farewell and Crazy Rich Asians. And I have to say, this is, I think, the best Disney animated movie since Frozen. It's got everything. It's funny. It's exciting. It has an awesome message for young viewers about the importance of learning to trust other people. Uh, so, Ryan and the Last Dragon in theaters locally. Uh, you can also watch it on Disney Plus if you pay the premium $30 price for it. Uh, so, that's a way people can decide how to see it. But, Ryan and the Last Dragon, the best film so far in 2021. That's four stars for me. Oh, wow. Fabulous. That sounds fantastic. Okay, so another great one there in a wide range of ways to see it. Uh, Boogie. I don't know anything about that one. What's that about? Boogie is a smaller film, uh, and it's it's a basketball drama. Uh, not really anybody in it you'd, you probably recognize. It's mostly young actors. In fact, the lead actor in this, uh, Taylor Takahashi, is making his motion picture debut. But it's about an 18-year-old Asian basketball phenomenon from Queens who dreams of making it in the NBA, and he has a number of obstacles in his path. He's got a new girlfriend he wants to spend time with. His parents don't get along and have kind of a physically abusive relationship. There are some other problems. And the movie looks at a year in his life as he tries to make his dream in the NBA come true. I had a very mixed reaction to this movie. Parts of it are very good. The acting is good. There are some really nice individual scenes. But this movie cannot decide what it wants to be. Sometimes it goes for broad comedy. Sometimes it tries to be dark and gritty. Other times it wants to be a touching coming-of-age story. And I think the inability to pick one tone and stick with it kind of hurts the film. Uh, That is playing in theaters locally. And Boogie, I only give it two stars. Okay, so just two there. But uh, worth a watch? I mean, it uh, it's kind of had a little has a little few people talking about it because i guess of racial or cultural uh, issues addressed that's the part of the movie i liked or another part of it that i liked i mean it does offer some asian representation on screen which is nice to see you kind of get to look at a different lifestyle you know and, and what these people do and how they live their lives and how they relate to each other that part is really nice but like i said the movie just can never decide what it wants to be so it's one of those things if you're flipping around on cable 
someday and it pops up. You might want to sit and watch it. I can't quite recommend paying full ticket price for it. I think most people will find it a little disappointing. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that, see what happens to it, and uh, uh, monitor that a tiny bit. Let's see. Spike Lee going to direct a documentary about the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Your thoughts yeah, on that? Yeah, this is exciting, and I, I can't think about can't think of anybody who would be more suited for this. But he's currently in production on a documentary about New York City and the 20th anniversary of the September 11th attacks. It will premiere on HBO later this year, and it's a multi-part documentary that will paint a sweeping portrait of how New Yorkers have rebuilt and rebounded, not just from the terrorist attack, but now an ongoing global pandemic. And the movie will feature over 200 interviews with citizens who have first-hand accounts of 9-11. So that should be a very powerful documentary. All right. Uh, yeah, we'll look forward to that, and we appreciate it. And he, he's the one to do it. Uh, he, a lot of his films address race, and do you think that may be a factor in some of the discussions? Oh, hard to say. With Spike Lee, that's always a possibility. But he is hands down one of my favorite filmmakers. I think he's just brilliant. So anything he makes, I'm up for watching. All right. Yeah, we'll check it out. Okay. Uh, Let's see. What else? Peter Rabbit 2 is actually moving forward. So that's progress, I suppose. Yeah, we've talked so often about these big movies that are being pushed back. Well, we had kind of a nice bump at the box office last weekend with the release of Tom and Jerry, which opened to $14 million, which is almost unheard of during this pandemic when usually movies are opening to 2 or $3 million. And in a sign of optimism, Sony Pictures plans to release Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway, earlier than they anticipated. The animated sequel was originally scheduled for June, and it will now arrive in movie theaters on May 14th. All right, so (laughs) it's right around the corner. Well, this is exciting. Well, thank you so much, Movie Mike. Anything else in the entertainment world we should know about or talk about or be aware of? Uh, This Sunday night on the CW is the Critics' Choice Awards, so make sure you tune in for that. I'm one of the voting members, and uh, even despite the pandemic, we're going to put together a good show, and we're going to honor some really worthy films and performances. All right, and we will watch that on what channel? When? On the CW Sunday night. I believe it's on from 8 to 10. All right. Do you have some fabulous comedians to help open it? That's always my favorite part of these shows. <laughs> Our host again for the third straight year is Tay Diggs. Oh, okay. He's done a terrific job for us the last two years, so I'm sure he will be up to the challenge again. All right. We'll watch that. Well, good luck. Hopefully you will get to listen to your vote count. Well, thank you so much, sir. Thanks for checking in this morning, Movie Mike. Hey, thank you. Movie Mike McGranahan, of course, professional movie critic, com. His website, his Twitter handle, at Seat, and his appearance is always sponsored by the Campus Theater, Lewisburg.